0: Welcome into DTC. This is LP joined by FP. We are 24 hours away from the Eagles, Falcons, uh, NFL kickoff. FP, say hello.
1: How's it going? Glad to be here. Glad the NFL is coming back. Glad to hopefully see the Eagles lose tomorrow.
0: Are you going to be watching uh, the full game tomorrow?
1: Absolutely. First game of the season. I don't care who the two teams are. It could be Browns, Jaguars for all I care. I'm watching every minute of it because I miss the NFL.
0: And do you think Nick Foles can recapture the magic that he did in the Super Bowl and pull off a win? No. It's I Philly, think, and it's they're raising the banner. There's a lot of pressure on that team.
1: I think he's going to come out, lay out a dud, and remind everybody why Philly got rid of him and why he was their backup.
0: <laughs> why, why, why would he remind everyone why he's their backup?
1: Because he's okay, going to suck. Are you
0: saying that he's going to have a shitty game?
1: Yes. Did you not get that from what I was saying?
0: <laughs> <laughs> moving on, moving on, moving on. <laughs> the Redskins play the Cardinals. Um, we, we never did a, a season review of the 53-man roster, so I want to get your take on that. I want to get your take on um, what the strengths of this team are and what the weaknesses are, and you know what do you expect to see out of the Redskins come Sunday?
1: All right, let's dive in. What's the first question? I'm ready. What are the strengths of this Redskins team? <laughs> strengths, obviously the offensive line, and now I truly believe that it is the defensive line and really just the front seven of the defense. Definite strength. I have zero concerns about any of that. The, the, the what, about, what about
0: offensive line depth? That's, that's a huge concern to me.
1: Uh, depth is a concern. Left guard is a concern, but I'm I'm hoping that the NFL gods will have mercy on us and our starters stay healthy for the entire season and we can have one cohesive unit for the entire year. Um, but, yeah, depth is it, – it's not too concerning because you still have inseki and you still have a couple guys that can come in well, if you need it, but
0: I, – I think the concern is interior depth. So you have inseki you have ty- – uh, what's the guy's name? Christensen? Right. Um, the, the rookie um, on the outsides. And then on the inside, I think you have a, a Chris Dunn who not sure was in the NFL three months ago. So you have three positions and Brandon Sheriff, Sean Laval, and Chase Ruye who really don't have a backup. You're going to have I mean, to do a big shift like we did last.
1: Year. I, I will say it, it sounds a lot more difficult than people acknowledge, um, to go from like a tackle to a guard or a guard to a center. Um, Guard to a center or tackle to a center is hard just because you have to get the timing down with the snapping. But from a guard to a tackle or tackle to a guard, it's really not too bad, especially if you can stay left side, right side. Um, a lot of the assignments are the same. A lot of the foot placement is the same. A lot of the blocking schemes are the same. So if you can go left side, right side, or if you don't have to go left side, right side, it's it's not too bad. Um, what, so. what
0: position did you play for the Vienna Falcons or whatever it is your <laughs> high school team was?
1: Uh, Madison Warhawks, shout out to them. But, no, I played left, left tackle. And left out? Oh, uh, no, isn't That's you for your soccer team on Sunday, right? You have to watch your team play without you.
0: <laughs> that's not funny because I may be on the bench.
1: <laughs> but, no, depth for the line is concerning, but not too big of a concern for this team, not compared to the secondary and not compared to the lack of chemistry that I saw with the starters against Denver.
0: So I wouldn't take the lack of chemistry from the starters as a sign of what the season's going to be in the Denver game because clearly in the Denver game, the plan was to give Adrian Peterson the ball, see what he can do, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, try to get off healthy and you know live for week one. So I wouldn't be too concerned about that. But I'm a little bit concerned about the, about the receivers outside of Crowder, Richardson, and Doxon. Because you're left with a uh, Mo Harris, who's had a concussion for like a month and hasn't practiced in a really long time. You have a, a Cam Sims, who was undrafted out of Alabama. And you have a Trey Quinn, who was Mr. Irrelevant, last pick in the draft. So essentially, you have two undrafted guys, Mo Harris, who's been injured for you know a month. And I don't think Mo Harris was drafted either. So you have a lot of unproven guys behind the three starters. Is- are you are you, are you okay with ESOL in preseason?
1: It's not too big of a concern for me because even if you do get hit by the injury bug you'll lose Doxson then you throw in one guy you still have Crowder and Richardson there or you lose Richardson and then you throw in Mo Harris you know so it, it's going to be evenly dispersed and I think if you bring one of these unproven guys in and they're, they're surrounded by a healthy Jordan Reed and Chris Thompson coming out of the back and one two of the three good receivers I don't think it's that concerning. My concern mainly was Alex Smith and just his timing. Because even though the game plan was a lot of Adrian Peterson, there was a couple throws to like Richardson that were off or that the timing was bad or or Alex just didn't do the right thing. And it could just be the vanilla playbook. But again, this is why Gruden is 0-4 in game one you you can't get a good gauge on this team until the season starts because until they're playing four quarters 100% of the time you don't know what you're getting and you don't know what they practiced in training camp behind without reporters or any of that stuff so i'm a little concerned but not not dangerously concerned
0: okay let me ask you this bigger deal Is it a bigger deal that Jordan Reed is healthy or that Chris Thompson is healthy? Because both of them practiced in full today on Wednesday before, you know, the week one. So this is the first time in I don't remember how long that both of those guys have practiced. Which one's a bigger deal to you?
1: I'm going to say Jordan Reed um, just because Chris Thompson, even though he practiced in full and that's amazing, he's still going to have to shake off the nerves and get hit by another team to really have his confidence back. Jordan Reed fixed his toes has been gaining speed slowly, slowly, slowly all throughout the off season and, and practicing more and more and more during training camp. So for him to finally be a hundred percent participation a week or, or four days before the game, that's huge because historically, obviously he's been ready, when we ready, slight hiccup and then he's not, he's not doing anything. So, the fact that we let him go 100% this close to game time, that's a huge, huge, huge plus.
0: I think what will be an even bigger uh, positive or plus for them is on Sunday after the game, if both those guys are still healthy, because then that gives you a little boost of confidence that, hey, I played an NFL game. Hey, I made an impact. Hey, I'm healthy. I can I can do this. So it gives them that confidence to continue on the season. Let's pivot over to the defensive side of the ball. I have some concerns again about the secondary I think Josh Norman, his ceiling is very high, and we know what he is, and he's consistent. Outside of that, you have Quentin Dunbar, who was a receiver three years ago, Fabian Moreau, who was in college two years ago and had, I think, knee replacement surgery uh, or completely shredded knee. Then you have Greg Stroman, Adonis Alexander, and um, there's one other rookie, but not a whole lot of experience there. Is that a concern to you?
1: Um. Fabian Moreau is going to be a good test uh, to see how he does against Fitzgerald and Kirk because they play a lot in the slot. And Emmanuel Sanders destroyed us in the slot against uh, Denver. So that would be the biggest concern that I have in the secondary. Um, For me, other than that, I'm, I'm not too concerned about the defense. I'm really excited to see Payne go full action, to see Jonathan Allen go full action, to see how Zach Brand handles David Johnson. I'm excited to see all that, and I like our matchups. Um, but other than that, I don't really have too many concerns for the defense.
0: Let's pivot to the game on Sunday, week one. What are your keys to a uh, Redskins victory? What, what needs to happen?
1: Um... We'll go off. I'll west. go, first. All right, Adrian we'll go
0: Peterson, first. Adrian Peterson has to run for over 80 yards and probably score a touchdown. Uh, that The chains have to be moving. Uh, have that 80 yards. And then I think you got to have maybe like another 20 or so from uh, Rob Kelly. And then Chris Thompson's got to be active in the passing game.
1: I'm going to say for me, and I kind of talked about it earlier with Jay Gruden going 0-4. Jay Gruden versus Steve Wilkes, to me, is going to be the biggest key to the game because we saw this Arizona team the end of last year. Um, We don't really get to use that game film because it's a whole new quarterback, a whole new system. So we kind of want to see how Jay Gruden can prepare this team for a virtual unknown with some megastars. Um, If he can come in there, call a solid game, no stupid mistakes, no clock management issues, none of that, and you just let the players do what the players know they can do, I think that's going to be the biggest key to the game. But if we come in there and we look sloppy and there's time management issues and all of a sudden we're penalty after penalty after penalty, everything is going to spiral out of control really quick. And that's that's kind of why we always lose that first
0: That will prove that... Preseason was taken lightly and that we should have put more effort and time into the work that the starters got in preseason.
1: Yeah, because a lot of it, a lot of preseason, I think is stupid, but that that game speed chemistry is what you really need preseason for. And we did almost none of that.
0: So do you have a good feeling coming into Sunday? I think we'll get into season predictions and a little bit with our guest Blake Murphy from. SB Nation's Revenge of the Birds blog site and co-host of the Bird Gang Blitz podcast. Um, But uh, what are your? uh, Do you feel optimistic about the Redskins' chances this Sunday?
1: I feel optimistic about it. Um, I think our defense is going to take over the game, and we're going to abuse a weak offensive line. And I want to see some sacks early and often. And I I I think it's going to happen for us.
0: I think Preston Smith has uh, six sacks in the last two games against Sam Bradford. So uh, the track record is We'll bring in Blake Murphy from Revenge of the Birds blog and uh, the Bird Gang podcast. Welcome back into DTC. Joining us on the DTC hotline, Blake Murphy, staff writer from SB Nation, Revenge of the Birds. Exciting. Uh, Gang Blitz podcast. Blake, nice to have you on. Thanks for joining
2: hey. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me on, FPLP. It's good to be on.
0: It's is not it finally feel good to actually have real football to talk about in less than 24 hours?
2: Yeah, especially when you consider with how disappointing the last two Cardinals seasons were. Uh, maybe it'll be the same, maybe it's not, but it's a new team, new coaching staff. Got a couple of guys back at least, Fitzgerald back for another season, David Johnson back. So a lot of Cardinals fans are just happy to be back in the swing of being able to see this team uh, be able to kind of play in that desert heat again.
0: Yeah, Manuel, you brought it up first, so I'll I'll start with this this question. The balance of power has seemed to shift a little bit. You know, over the past few years it's been the Seahawks one, Cardinals very close second. Cardinals have seemed to be, you know, pretty close year after year except, you know, the past few years. Um now it seems to shift a little bit. The Niners have taken a step up, the Rams have taken a, a big step up. Give us your take on the NFC West and, you know, kind of the balance of power and who's real in the NFC West and, and who isn't
2: you know at the NFC West for years it was with Russell Wilson was kind of the quarterback there and you saw the Niners uh, post Alex Smith at least once they had with Kaepernick and you know he's the quarterback now for the Redskins and then you looked at just how the Rams kind of floundered for a few years with Jeff Fisher now you take a look in the divisions full of young quarterbacks that are there with Russell Wilson being kind of obviously the top quarterback there Garoppolo coming over and then Jared Goff uh, with his kind of first playoff appearance at the Rams the Cardinals this year are kind of in a transition year from um, moving away from one of the older quarterbacks in the NFL from Carson Palmer, retiring last season. And so then you look at Carson Palmer last year, one of the older quarterbacks in the NFL, finally retires along with the head coach, Bruce Arians. Cardinals kind of go into an interesting transition year where they still have a lot of these kind of older veterans on their roster that Arians had depended on with your, you know, Corey Peters in the defensive side, Mike Potty, Uh, a a run-blocking guy, Antoine Bethea. And you've got a lot of these younger kind of players who they had, whether it's like the younger David Johnson, and kind of having to go through a shift from not really leaving all of the talent, but also having to kind of reassess who are going to be the guys who are going to stick around. So they're in a transition year. Um, they brought in a new defensive-minded head coach, Steve Wilkes, kind of as a – I think a lot of it is just the to counter a lot of these offensive minds of Shanahan and Goff. And he's pretty buttoned up at least overall as far as for being a disciplinarian in a lot of ways. But the players have really seemed to respond well to a lot of it. And he's put a huge emphasis on the defense and special teams, which is something that over the last few years Bruce Arians didn't really have as much of, uh, even though the Cardinals were a, a great defensive defensive team a lot of that was due to their talent so you're kind of looking at a team that really is trying to find their identity and the identity that they want to have is really in running the football to try to protect you know a fragile quarterback in sam bradford as well as their kind of future rookie that they'll have so that's going to be kind of the identity this team is looking for is going to be a ground and pound team that's trying to you know force turnovers on defense and special teams and then run the football when they're on offense
0: so, what do you see um, the Rams, the Niners, and the Seahawks doing?
2: Yeah, with the Seahawks, they're kind of in the, a similar transition phase, but they still have a you know, developed quarterback in Russell Wilson. They're kind of cutting away from a lot of the the old talent that you had at least seen before. With you know, you've seen Richard Sherman on a new team, Cam Chancellor retiring. Um, they're kind of kind of having an interesting year where they're trying to you know double down some also on the special teams and bring in a couple of new faces on defense. I think that. There's gonna be at least some type of a step back you'll see on defense just because of all the pieces and players that they're losing. Um, but the fact that Russell Wilson is still just as dangerous as any quarterback means that they're still gonna be a threat. Uh, Niners are in a, in a season where they a lot of people are kind of buying into them as a potential playoff team. Uh, maybe they're a year away. Maybe Garoppolo is able to put them over the edge, but the team that right now seems to be the biggest event still is the Rams. They've been able to acquire a lot of talent in the offseason. Still have Jared Goff on a rookie quarterback contract. Uh, still have Sean McVay calling the plays back there. They're just trying to kind of bulk up their defense, and so it's going to be a real slobber over the next few years, I think, in the division with all these young quarterbacks, but I think at least for right now, it seems like it's the Rams are the ones who are outdistancing everyone else, and the Cardinals are a team that has to kind of figure out what their identity is are they going to be one of those teams who will you know be kind of threatening or kind of you know in every single game or are they going to kind of fall behind some of the other teams as they try to figure out this new identity on both offense and defense so part of that new identity um we know about fits
1: and we know about dj um, but tell me what you think about uh chad williams and christian kirk those are two Relatively new. Well, one's really new, and one's relatively new. Wide receivers. Uh, what do you think about them? Are they going to really be able to help uh, that passing offense out, or is it still going to be mainly the the Larry Fitzgerald show?
2: Yeah, I think it's still going to ultimately end up being some of the Larry Fitzgerald show. But when you're looking at Sam Bradford and how Mike McCoy schemed the offense, he's made it a very quick, quick release, short passing game, trying to get a lot of yards after catch. That is something that really does favor. Um, Chad Williams and Christian Kirk is getting it in space, but it's another thing when you're going in with guys who are unproven. Uh, The biggest guy who I think if you had to take a look at as far as for a threat would probably be ricky seals jones a guy who they involved some in the passing game last year especially against the jaguars i believe he had one or two touchdowns he's going to be the guy while jermaine gresham gets healthy as far as for maybe the third receiving option just looking for it over the middle he's really just like a big wide receiver um if he can hold on to the football there's been a couple of drops he's had the other guy you want to take a look at is obviously going to be david johnson in the passing game this is a guy who. You can kind of line up at a wide receiver position as well. He's a mismatch for linebackers. And a guy that they're really high on this year that you don't want to sleep on would be their rookie running back that they got out of the fourth round out of Fordham, of all places. Uh, which is going to be Chase Edmonds. Uh, they've even had times where because he can line up at any of the wide receiver spots as well. They've had times they've actually split wide where they've had Fitzgerald as one of the wide receivers, and then Edmonds and Johnson as the other wide receivers. And then there's even some plays that you've seen where David Johnson was used as a fullback in the backfield and they handed the ball off to Edmonds. So they really are trying to favor, to the talent. They still really didn't have as much separation from a true number two as they would have hoped for. So they're going to be rotating kind of through um, Chad Williams, through Christian Kirk and even through the veteran J.J. Nelson, who's kind of the deep threat guy who's had some drops issues over the years. It's going to be kind of a Feeding whoever's the hot hand, whoever kind of separates, and you know, kind of goes with what they say. If you with quarterbacks, if you don't have one quarterback on your roster as a starter, you really don't have any, and it's kind of like that at the number two wide receiver position. So we'll just end up seeing how it develops if things change, shift. If it's going to be one guy who will step up, or if it's going to be more of like a, a lot of little paper cuts that are going to be kind of nicking at you, because um, yeah, the team really ultimately is going to have to step up in pass protection to be able to protect Sam Bradford, even with the shorter and quick pace offense, to make sure that he's going to have enough time in that to be able to get the ball to those guys because if things work out well you're going to see the cardinals be an efficient offense that'll be able to get down the field be able to score and put up points and have some of those main guys and if you don't see things working well you're going to see sacks you're going to see pressure and you're going to see the receivers either not separate or dropping passes or making key mistakes and, and this is honestly a very overall young team still that's there with a a lot of the youth, at least, that you're seeing at the receiver position, it's either going to be a benefit where you'll see you guys step up or it's going to bite them. You're going to see this team kind of get off to a slow start if they're not able to get some of those bigger passing targets locked down.
0: Well, if David Johnson is running the ball and running the ball effectively, that opens wonders for the passing game. And, you know, obviously that's one thing here in Washington that we're, we're deathly afraid of, the David Johnson train. Tell us a little bit about, you know, where he's at with his health, where he's at with his forearm is it, or his wrist, Um, And, you know, what kind of David Johnson should we expect to see? Is he at 100%? Is he at 90%? Where are we with the, the David Johnson injury?
2: Yeah, David Johnson, you can probably look at about 100%, and there's also an additional motivation where he's playing right now for about $1.9 million. He's still on his rookie contract. He's motivated to kind of go out there and prove that he is one of the best running backs in the NFL. He's kind of taking the opposite of the Le'Veon Bell approach. I know there's some of the news that they had today of Le'Veon Bell holding out. He's kind of taken the opposite approach, where he stayed out of some mandatory minicamp for about two or three days and kind of came back and was there for training camp saying, you know what, I'm just going to trust the process, go out there to do my best, and it's been kind of a very team-friendly approach, especially as they're looking at this spot of, you know, he's, the Cardinals hold his rights for the next three years, but he's going out there wanting to kind of prove and motivate, and he's definitely back to the 2016 David Johnson form. You take a look at some of what he had in the preseason, the first game. I think he averaged about Uh, We had about, I think, 14 yards or so per carry with uh, a healthy Mike Yapati is probably arguably even more important than a healthy David Johnson, just because he was opening up big holes for him to be able to run through as a run blocker. Uh, As far as with Johnson's wrist, uh, the biggest thing you see with impact for running backs is usually if it's going to be a lower body or soft tissue. The fact that it was a wrist issue that he's fully now healed from, at least there shouldn't be any type of repercussion. So he is going to basically be ready to roll. And that is something I know from. Looking at previous years when the Cardinals last played the Redskins, he, that was I remember a, a touchdown run that he had where he just kind of split right between two guys and some great vision and kind of was a, a big hurt in that win that the Cardinals had. So I think that's the biggest weapon, obviously, to be able to watch out for it is going to be a David Johnson that is going to be kind of both a running and receiving threat.
0: You you bring up a name that I, you know I absolutely do not want to you know divert from Cardinals Redskins, but the Le'Veon Bell situation has been all over the news. Um, I don't necessarily like what he's doing. I think it's a, it's a little bit selfish. I think a lot of the players feel that way as what was what they said today. Um, how do, what do you think about the situation and, you know, how is this going to be different um, with David Johnson next year? 'Cause it, it could very yeah. well go the same way, but I just don't see him as that type of person.
2: No, and that was why it was such a shock to a lot of fans that he even held out at all of training camp. That was where people just looked at the the person with their character and a lot of it, and it was ultimately being a kind of a I think the nickname that he he even kind of had picked was the Humble Rumble just because a lot of what he did was having a high character, really team focused kind of guy for that one. And so that's why it was a bit of a shock that he didn't have any type of hold at all. So the fact that he's back and playing and it's just like wanting to have the play out the process part of that is it is really. Kind of, it, it honestly is a boom for the Cardinals more than it is for him because, you know, if he goes down with a serious injury, then that is going to be a huge reflection on him. So I think it's kind of an area almost out of good faith for, hey, if I'm going to be playing for you guys this year on this type of a deal, my expectation is that I'm going to be rewarded. The Cardinals do want to reward David Johnson for what he's done, they do want to pay him. The biggest thing right now is coming down to the price because, again, they do hold the contract in place. So we'll have to see. I know that a lot of the car- local beat is kind of saying that maybe something doesn't happen this year, but there is still a possibility a few weeks into the season, especially if Johnson goes off and kind of shows that he's that same 2016 David Johnson again, there is kind of some optimism that a deal could get done at some point during the season. Uh, and so I think that'll just be part of the process. We'll have to see how that plays out. But it is interesting about how when you're taking a look at the counter approach, maybe it is going to end up hurting his ability to get a long-term deal. But in one case, you know, it's, it's also a different situation from Le'Veon Bell, where Le'Veon's, he spent about five, six years in the league looking for that big payday still. This is kind of David Johnson's first payday. He's going to want to try to get paid again before he turns 30 if he can. So that's going to be part of what it'll come down to is just seeing how the Cardinals will treat him. Um, I, and I do think that ultimately, if you take a look at what the Cardinals as an organization try to do is they do want to try to reward and pay players. You got to see the Chandler Jones dining after they traded for him with Patrick Peterson. And even Larry Fitzgerald, every single year, he's kind of a Cardinal for life, and they've basically put that out there. So that's, I think, some of it is an organizational difference, but it's also the fact that the Cardinals look at guys with character and you look at how Le'Veon's teammates ragged on him today and a lot of them just felt like they were betrayed and that he had kind of turned their back on them in a lot of different ways. There's not really any type of expectation that that's going to be what David Johnson does for the Cardinals anytime soon. So sticking with the
1: the running back conversation and expectations, uh, you have a running back that we are now becoming familiar with, which is (laughs) Adrian Peterson, or you had one. Um, What do you think we should expect, being that you saw him so much last year, Um, Do you think that he still has any gas left in the tank? And if he wasn't injured, could he have gotten closer to 700 yards, 900 yards, whatever? Or is he basically what everyone thinks he is and kind of washed up and done?
2: Yeah, I think that there's it, what's interesting about Adrian Peterson is we got to see last year with the Cardinals that they tried to use him as a, a back that would be kind of on three, three downs with trying to throw the football to him at times and targeting, but it just was not his strong suit. The league has changed where it's really favoring a lot of these mismatches and being able to use running backs out of the backfield. The biggest benefit that you did see with Adrian Peterson was um, overall, and I think you can even take a look at the, uh, the 2017 at least if you're looking at the Arizona Cardinals versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was the first First game that he had, he kind of came off the street after the uh, the trade. Uh, I got some of the stats, at least, him pulling up right in front of me at least. But it looked like yeah, it was the Adrian Peterson game. of old. It was an yeah. incredible game for that. He had, like, I think it was over 100, almost 170 or so yards, at least for that one. I've got the uh, stats pulled up. It was just kind of one of those times where the Cardinals fans from a long time had always felt that the team should have drafted Adrian Peterson over kind of the potential bust player that they did have. Uh, and uh, I believe it was uh, uh, what was it? Oh, it was um Levi Brown. That's who it was. And so to have him and Larry Fitzgerald on the field at the same time, you kind of had this feeling of that it was going to be the like, yeah. So I can see it's 134 yards, two touchdowns. He just showed the same type of burst and same type of being able to get skinny that you expected when they were able to have holes open for him. And it just kind of felt like it was like this is a guy who still got. It. And then the next few games after that, when you saw Carson Palmer got hurt, the biggest thing was the Arizona Cardinals offensive line. For one thing, it wasn't really built for a guy like him. Um a- a- Bruce Arians was never a fan of using fullbacks and a lot of that with having a fullback for Adrian Peterson to follow became kind of a big deal. And so that's something at least to be able to, you know, take a look at back with the um you know, with your offense. I know you guys have a lot of running backs at least for that one and maybe not as much of a fullback heavy in that offense, but is the impact of him on first and second down is still there. The Arizona's offensive line was he started averaging like 1.9, 2.0 yards per carry, but you take a look at that that ended up being a trend throughout the whole season as soon as David Johnson went down where the offensive line struggled, couldn't stay healthy. So it, it's going to be interesting because I think that that's where it might be some of that inconsistency where maybe some games you'll have Adrian Peterson will go off where things are clicking. Some games it might be at least that it's not the same type of impact as long as you can kind of hold some of the different gaps and keep it closed. Um, just because I think that he's not a guy who's going to be able to run outside and create for for an 80-yard touchdown anymore, but he's a guy who still, I think, if you come in and can get the holes open, he can just run ahead. He's still a guy who can bulldoze through and be able to get some of those five yards per carrier zone and be effective, so it's going to be interesting to be able to see because I think that he's still got it, but how much does he still have it is kind of the point. Is it going to be a... It not, I don't think he's going to be a guy who you're going to look at as a 100-yard game rusher, but if he can be effective on first or second down, and if Chris Thompson can get healthy and come in on third down, maybe that's going to be kind of the best strategy you can have while you're kind of hoping for Darius Geist to get healthy and be that do it all back for you next year
1: yeah i mean that's definitely what we're looking forward to sorry LP, what were you gonna say
0: he actually said something today uh to the local beat here they said that he was excited to finally play for you know a healthy offensive line for the first time in the first couple of years so i don't know if that's necessarily a cop out of you know his 1.9 yard per carry average after what the first game in arizona and then also um his horrific average in, in new orleans last year uh i, I think the book Uh, still uh, remains to be written on the rest of Adrian Peterson's career. But um, here in D.C., obviously after preseason game three, uh, fans are, are, are all in on him.
2: Yeah, and that's interesting also with David Johnson on that aspect. He hasn't played with a healthy offensive line because even in 2016 they had a lot of turnover and he still had almost a 2000-yard season. So, it'll be interesting just because you're kind of looking at the run game is going to be like the you got the run game and two kind of quarterbacks who've been called out for checking the passes down but also don't turn the ball over either. So, that's going to be a Kind of the story of having two teams that are very similar in, uh, in that aspect. This is the first time that David Johnson's coming. The only player who I believe was lost due to injury was the Cardinals' starting center. So they've got a rookie there on Sunday who's going to be going up against you know that that defensive line that you've got there of having the guys like John Allen, John Allen, Deron Payne, uh, even with Preston Smith at least coming off. So that's going to be and uh, that's going to be a really interesting type of matchup for the Cardinals to have as far as for the run game versus you know these these pass blockers that you have as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That, that's been a, a, a point of emphasis for the Redskins this offseason with, you know, um, both bolstering up the interior off uh, defensive line and then also letting the, the edge rushers get free. Um, so let's let's put a bow on this. Let's um, let's go predictions. Uh, but before we go game predictions, I, I didn't hear your NFC West ranking predictions. Uh, who's going to win the division there? And, you know, who's going to be uh, last?
2: Yeah, I have the Rams as the winners. I think that Seattle is going to end up being the ones who I have as the the basement dwellers, even though it's hard to not trust Russell Wilson. (laughs) It's really hard for me to do that one, but I've got them at four because I do think at least that the Cardinals are going to be a better team than a lot of people think. This is a top 10 defense that came in and actually got better and improved, and I think that what's going to happen is that you're going to end up having, even though it's going to be a dink and dunk offense, the Cardinals were ranked 31st and 32nd for like three or four years in a row, where their special teams would lose them games. I think this year that they're going to be able to continue to force turnovers. I think that they'll be able to edge out Seattle, but I don't see them yet as like a 10 or 11 win team. I think that they're still transitioning and there's still enough weaknesses. Maybe if the offensive line starts getting hurt or if Sam Bradford goes out early in the year, it goes down. But I think you're going to end up looking at the Cardinals as kind of the third ranked team. I still believe enough in Garoppolo and the improvements that they've made where I think I have the Niners in second place. But I think it is going to be the Rams division ultimately at 13 and three. And it's going to be really close between the Cardinals and Seahawks back and forth. Uh, Right now, Now, I think just from trusting and seeing that the Arizona with you've got the, you know, you're you didn't lose the Richard Sherman or lose your Cam Chancellor and your Michael Bennett in Arizona. You kept your Chandler Jones and your Patrick Peterson. So I'll lean Arizona just kind of by a game or so over Seattle. And so I've got the Rams, the Niners, and then the Cardinals and Seahawks would be the rankings that I have. And it's kind of a surprise for that one, but if you're looking at all the talent that Seattle lost at some point, you know, you're you're gonna have to kind of see a step back at least. At least and we've seen some of that similarly over the last few years where as even a guy like Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay or even taking a look at when and um, I was even thinking at least of the uh, Dallas Cowboys, at least for when they were missing guys and lost guys last year, they just took a huge step back, at least from the team they'd been previously.
0: Honestly, I think people are giving the Rams a little bit too much credit because when I when I look at the Rams, I can't help but to think, was it like the 2015 Eagles when they went out and, and got all these big names, got all these you know big signings or whatever. I think they're a good team. I think they're, they'll probably win the division. Um, but I think, you know, Sean McVay's in his second year. So he's, he's not necessarily a veteran coach. Um, he's definitely a players coach and, and people like him and respect him, but he hasn't really um, hit any adversity yet. So I, I think, you know, when he get, starts getting people with, um, you know, attitudes and, and locker room issues and stuff like that, it'll be interesting to see how he can manage that. But, yep. you know, I, I definitely don't have them, uh, you know, going to the Super Bowl
2: right and that's the other thing also is the Matt LaFleur effect is something that's very interesting if you watch and follow his career of the quarterbacks he works with he's now the offensive coordinator of the Tennessee Titans he ended up getting that job because he wasn't going to get to be able to be a play caller because that was what Sean McVay did in, uh, with the Rams so if you look at how with the MVP type season that Matt Ryan had and then you know you leave, he, LaFleur leaves goes over as the quarterbacks coach too with Jared Goff Goff has a turnaround for that one ends up being almost like a comeback player of the year then LaFleur leaves now he's with the Titans is there going to be any type of regression that we'll see for Jared Goff, similar to how we saw last year at least. And you know, he's going to have to develop at some point without having him in the year. So some Cardinals fans can see that there might be some opportunity there. But overall, as far as for the team, you're still looking at and a uh, newly uh, with a new contract in hand, Aaron Donald. And that's going to be very difficult for any team to put out. So I, I agree with you. I think that the division in some cases, it's going to be a very strong, difficult division to get through. I do think that the top end teams aren't going to be, you know, Super Bowl contenders, but it's still going to be a, a really tough matchup, at least for each of the different teams who are going to have to face the NFC West this year.
0: Right, and then the the Garoppolo effect. I mean, it's been five games. Let's you know pump the brakes mm-hmm. a little bit on on this guy's going to be the, the next Tom Brady.
1: I, I need him to do. I need him to do. A, him to do it for, for purposes. He's he's <laughs> definitely overhyped.
2: Oh yeah, no, especially since it's been uh, we even saw with the Cardinals last year, he's good for in that aspect, but a lot of it is when you're talking about a team it is a team sport. The Niners are still kind of having to rebuild a lot of that team, and you look at a lot of the scores last year against the teams they played 5-0 and and being undefeated as a quarterback is a big deal, but it's very different when you end up starting to have teams that are not only game planning for you, but are going to have to be there. So I would totally agree at least that there is going to be a little bit of overhype that's at least there and that's part of why I think it is going to be a bit more of a fluid division between the Cardinals, Seahawks, the Rams, the Niners. might be that we all end up totally wrong and I end up seeing my entire prediction flip-flop and reverse, it might not even surprise me this year because that's just how kind of dynamic and how changing the, the NFC West is for this 2018 year.
0: Uh, I'll take my chances on on not on that not flip-flopping, but you may be <laughs> right.
2: So yeah, let's, let's you have to see an injury to... or something would be about it for golf or something, but that would have to be about it.
0: <laughs> right. So what are your predictions for this Sunday, 425 Eastern uh, in uh, Glendale, um, what's going to happen? Uh, who's who's going to be the difference maker on, on either side of the ball? And you know, what's your prediction for the score?
2: Yeah, for me, it's hard to know because I think for me, the the biggest thing that I see at least is I think that the Redskins' defensive line is going to be a big big problem for Arizona because Arizona's biggest weakness is going to be in the pass protection, obviously. Uh, the right tackle Andre Smith, at least when you're talking about with Ryan Kerrigan and then going up against a guy with, whether it's DJ Humphreys or whether it's going to be Andre Smith, however they're going to end up using him. There is going to be some abuse that's going to happen. Sam Bradford is going to take some hits whether that leads to a fumble or a turnover, I'm not sure, but unless the Cardinals can go out there and play a really, really well-designed well-executed game on offense uh, or can, you know, go right out the gate and take a few takeaways, I do think that the Redskins have a chance to take over this game. I would lean that, since the teams are similar, I think I would normally lean toward Arizona of being at home. Um, being of the team that would be able to kind of you know run right up the middle for them They have seen Adrian Peterson before I think that they'll be able to find a way to stop the run um, I, I think it's gonna be a pretty close game honestly. I've got the game finishing up with 2017 And if it was at home for that normally I would probably give the game to Arizona at home for the edge and this game I might lean Redskins against the home team at least some of the fans might kind of go against it for that one But I think with the new coach and with everything that's there I would slightly lean towards Washington just because there's enough kind of that concerns me about the pass protection you're looking at arizona whereas if you take a look at um with brandon scherf morgan moses and trent williams all on the other side at least that one if arizona is able to kind of get pressure to be able to you know force some of the three and outs it'll be fine but i don't know if you'll be able to do it right with alex smith at at a quarterback for that one so it'll be interesting where a lot of cardinals fans feel like we're not totally sure what this team is going to be like when it comes out as far as on offense uh it might be that we don't know of what this team's going to be like when it comes out each series. Uh, If they do come out and can kind of take a lot of the mistakes they were making and isolate it, maybe this is a game where the Cardinals can come out and can kind of be that dominant team that you're looking at similar to maybe the Jaguars. But I think this is still a team that's a little bit of ways away from that. So right now I have the Skins kind of winning it and a nail biter over the top. But it would not surprise me if it ends up being Arizona on the other side either since as I said, I I do feel like these are two pretty evenly matched teams overall outside of that pass protection and the fact that Sam Bradford at least is a guy who's not going to able to extend plays and be able to make plays with his legs like Alex Smith. That's part of why I've got the Redskins getting the, the edge in this one.
0: Predictions.
2: Predictions.
1: Um, I'll kind of echo Blake a little bit. What I really want to see is the Trent Williams versus Chandler Jones matchup. And I think that's mm-hmm. going to be the key to the Redskins success um, because If you do get to Alex Smith, uh, he tends to have happy feet. And then if you get into his head and sack him early, that could dictate the entire game. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, I really, I I believe the Redskins can edge them out. Uh, A lot of it will have to do with our secondary and covering Larry Fitz in the slot because we saw on our preseason game against Denver, Emmanuel Sanders torched us. Um, So -hmm. for me, a lot of it's going to come down to to our secondary and then really just going to be, uh, Trent Williams holding down the four on the O-line. And I think if we can take care of those two things, like Blake was saying, we're we're fairly even across the board with the Cardinals, and I think we could edge them out. Sadly, all Redskin wins are nail biters. I don't think I've ever <laughs> seen a, a hands-down win from our team. Uh, but I, 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 I like the 2017 score. I'd probably go a, a touchdown difference, though, over a field goal.
2: Yeah, I like what you said. Yeah, I like what you. Oh yeah, Red, Redskins. I like what you also said about like the the receivers and all the matchup because I I do think that you're right. The Arizona strength that they do have is their secondary, so guys are going to be covered. So that'll be another area of if, if Alex Smith is going to be able to have guys that are open or get time. So that's going to be on Arizona's end. They'll have to basically keep buttoned down on that and and then hope that their wide receivers can kind of get open, especially since I know you've got Josh Norman. But like you're saying, with the slot and the other areas and how Sam Bradford can favorite it, uh, it's going to be a really close one. Because I, I honestly do see there are strengths and weaknesses that can go back and forth either way. But like, like you said, I think it does come down to is it going to be pr- whoever can protect their quarterback the most, that, that's going to be the team that wins.
0: Well, well, the big thing he, that I see is that Gruden has, has not won a, a season opener um, in his tenure as h- head coach of the Redskins. So I think the pressure is on Gruden. I think, you know, one of the issues that they've had was Kirk Cousins has had uh, historically awful game ones. I think his touchdown to interception ratio was like three to six or something like that.
1: Stop talking um, about Kirk, man.
0: And at the same time, <laughs> Alex Smith is, is nine and one. So there's, there's a big difference there, but historically Jay Gruden teams have, have a really slow start. So uh, I almost find it hard to pick the Redskins just because uh, the, you know, the preseason was slow um, His you know, the history shows that the team is slow. Uh, so we'll see, but I, I think I'm going to have to go Cardinals 24, Redskins 20.
2: To be fair, uh, we don't know how it will probably is change
0: my prediction team. tomorrow.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that that might change. I remember even the last two times, you know, the Cardinals have uh, actually beaten the Redskins, I think, and since but that's also been when Kirk has been the quarterback for that one. There's been times that they've done good against Alex Smith, and there's been times that Alex Smith, you know, has gone off and torched their team. So it'll be interesting to see, since this is a matchup that we have not seen since Alex Smith's left the nfc west with a new team with everything like that one and he hasn't seen this type of defense for that one either so it's it's gonna be fun i honestly agree with you it is gonna be a close game regardless of that and that's kind of what makes it at least exciting for a season opener i think it's not like you're gonna be going out and trotting out whether it's two teams like and i just feel like both teams are awful it feels like there's a lot to be you know positive about with both of these teams a lot to be excited for and a lot of matchups to appreciate
0: blake it's been a pleasure pleasure having you on the on the dcc podcast where can our listeners find your stuff
2: yeah i'm always down to talk cardinals if you follow me on twitter at blake murphy seven uh mostly it's card fans who listen to us on the bird gang blitz but um, i'll uh, be also writing a couple of fantasy articles at least for this year for revenge of the bird so if you need some fantasy advice or want to know whether you're gonna play larry fitzgerald i mean david johnson obviously is going to be a start for you every week but if you're looking for any other types of other tips or some of the matchups as they play for that i'll have plenty of that for you through throughout the season
0: like you shouldn't have said that i'm gonna hit you up all the time now <laughs> I'm
2: hit you up all the
0: time for fantasy advice
2: well, there you go. Hey, I think I've got, uh, I know I've got, um, I think it was I picked Chris Thompson late in one of my leagues. And I also have, um, I believe you're, uh, the slot receiver at least as well. The name just escapes me randomly for now. Yep, yeah, Crowder. I know I got him at least in one of the other parts too. So I'll be uh, hoping that they'll be able to stay healthy and get back into shape at least for all of that as well.
0: LP's rule of thumb is never pick a Redskin or never to pick anybody from the NFC East. And, and that's why I'm, <laughs> I'm not, not so good, but... Thanks again for coming on the pod. Uh, It's been a blast, and uh,
1: maybe we'll catch up after the game.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank
1: you, man.